last one standing wins. <laughs> Professional Podcast. Drinking from Human Skulls. A professional podcast. Disclaimer alert at the top. Guys, it's been a while. I moved. I had an illness, probably COVID. My son, my delicate two-year-old son, had an illness, couldn't go to daycare, got a new job. We've been under the gun, me and my poor little wife. Our wonderful in-laws have been helping out, but it's taken me a while to get this episode finished, and I beg your forgiveness. But without further ado, let's get to it. I recorded half of this about a month ago. And the rest of it is coming to you closer to the time of me recording this disclaimer. So let's begin, shall we? Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Drinking from Human Skulls. It's me, still, Doni. I'm here to host this episode, and I'm so glad you're here with us to talk again about the lab leak hypothesis. And if last week we talked about the hypothesis itself, this week we're going to talk about the cover-up. And it is quite a salacious one indeed, and the story continues to evolve, but there are twists and there are turns, and for those of you paying attention, there are a ton of elements that have been coming together to do one thing, it seems, to censor any and all scientific discussion that goes against what really looks to be a pre-orchestrated narrative. And I don't want to suggest that there are secret meetings taking place in dark rooms across the world, but we have to wonder why the media, social media, several world governments, the virology community, the woke agenda, potentially the CIA pulling the strings, all of them moving to cover up and censor any discussion of anything COVID-related, not to mention the CCP, whatever their involvement is back east. Not to mention pharmaceutical companies who certainly have an interest in seeing new products hit the shelves as opposed to relying on old treatments like potentially ivermectin, which has been much suppressed despite having a near-perfect safety track record and despite being the subject of many, many, many highly conclusive studies that point to nothing other than its extremely high efficacy when it comes to treating COVID-19. And yet the disinformation campaigns continue, and today we're going to talk about the cover-up, the censorship of the lab leak hypothesis. And this cover-up, it seems, goes right back to the start. And we're going to focus a lot on Dr. Fauci, best doctor and most intelligent man in the whole world. But he's not the only player involved, and he's not the only person we're going to focus on, but we will get started with him. And he has been the subject of many hot seat moments in the Senate, led by Senator Rand Paul, who has been a very consistent and sane voice in this pandemic. He started the trend of speaking out against the dictatorship that is the NIH, led by Dr. Fauci himself, and, well, it seems that he has been vindicated. There is plenty of evidence now pointing to his involvement, 
And it seems to me that Dr. Fauci has actually lied under oath on several occasions, and he's not been removed from his post. But let's take a listen to this Senate interaction between Rand Paul and Dr. Fauci, where he is grilled by Paul on the topic of gain of function research. There are a whole bunch of laws in the United States and around the world against gain of function research. Um, there are advocates for it. There are many advocates against it, of course. But what it is in a nutshell is basically playing God with the virus, causing it to evolve quicker than it would in the wild, and thus giving it more dangerous potential to infect humanity. And the um, theory here is that they did that in Wuhan, and that same lab was given money by an organization called EcoHealth Alliance. Now, EcoHealth Alliance is a nonprofit research organization. They say that their mission is to understand viruses to help humanity protect themselves against them. And what they did was they got money from the NIH and they transferred a lot of that money to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, where they were absolutely conducting gain-of-function research. We know this to be true. It has been revealed in Anthony Fauci's emails and other sources as well. But as you'll hear in this clip coming up, Anthony Fauci, under oath, denies any involvement in this whatsoever. He didn't know they were conducting gain-of-function research. And, well, I suppose it is possible that he didn't know. I find it unlikely. He's been involved in the virology community for many, many years. He must know the ins and outs of how money flows and why it flows and where it flows. And I just find it hard to believe. So let's take a drink of Rand Paul grilling Dr. Fauci once again and asking him about his involvement in this scandal. Take a drink. Dr. Fauci. We don't know whether the pandemic started in a lab in Wuhan or evolved naturally, but we should want to know. Three million people have died from this pandemic, and that should cause us to explore all possibilities. Instead, government authorities, self-interested in continuing gain-of-function research, say there's nothing to see here. Gain-of-function research, as you know, is juicing up naturally occurring animal viruses to infect humans. To arrive at the truth, the U.S. government should admit that the Wuhan Virology Institute was experimenting to enhance the coronavirus's ability to infect humans. Juicing up super viruses is not new. Scientists in the U.S. have long known how to mutate animal viruses to infect humans. For years, Dr. Ralph Barrick, a virologist in the U.S., has been collaborating with Dr. Shi Zengli of the Wuhan Virology Institute sharing his discoveries about how to create super viruses. This gain-of-function research has been funded by the NIH. The collaboration between the U.S. and the Wuhan Virology Institute continues. Doctors Barrick and Xi worked together to insert bat virus spike protein into the backbone of the deadly SARS virus and then used this man-made supervirus to infect human airway cells. Think about that for a moment. The SARS virus had a 15% mortality. We're fighting a pandemic that has about a 1% mortality. Can you imagine if a SARS virus that's been juiced up and had viral proteins added to it, to the spike protein, if that were released accidentally? Dr. Fauci, do you still support funding of the NIH funding of the lab in Wuhan? Senator Paul, with all due respect, you are enti entirely 
and completely incorrect that the NIH has not ever and does not now fund gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute Do they fund of Dr. Barrick? We do not fund... Do you fund gain, Dr. Barrick's gain-of-function research? D Dr. Barrett does not doing gain-of-function research, and if it is, it's according to the guidelines, and it is being conducted in North Carolina, not You don't think inserting in a bat virus spike protein that he got from the Wuhan Institute into the SARS virus is gain-of-function? That is you would not... You in the minority because... At least 200 scientists have signed a statement from the Cambridge Working yeah. Group saying that it is gain of function. Well, it is not. And if you look at the grant and you look at the uh, progress reports, it is not gain of function, despite the fact that people tweet that. So do you still support it. sending money to the Wuhan Virology Institute? We do not send money now to the to Wuhan uh, do Virology Institute. you support Institute. sending money? We did, under your tutelage. We were sending it through EcoHealth. It was a sub-agency right. and a sub-grant. Do you support that the money from NIH that was going to the Wuhan Institute? Let me explain to you why that was done. The SARS-CoV-1 originated in bats in China it would have been irresponsible of us if we did not investigate the bat viruses and the serology to see who might have been or, infected Or perhaps it would be irresponsible China. to send it to the Chinese government that we may not be able to trust with this uh, knowledge and with this uh, incredibly dangerous viruses. Government scientists like yourself who favor gain-of-function research... I don't favor gain-of-function research in China. You are saying naturally. things that are not correct. Government defenders of gain-of-function, such as yourself, say that COVID-19 uh, mutations were random and not designed by man. But interestingly, the technique that Dr. Barrick developed forces mutations by serial passage through cell culture that the mutations appear to be natural. In fact, Dr. Barrick named the technique the noceum technique because the mutations appear naturally. Nicholas Baker in the New York Magazine said nobody would know if the virus had been fabricated in a laboratory or grown in nature. Government authorities in the U.S., including yourself, unequivocally deny that COVID-19 could have escaped a lab. But even Dr. Xi in Wuhan wasn't so sure. According to Nicholas Baker, Dr. Xi wondered, could this new virus have come from her own laboratory? She checked her records frantically and found no matches. That really took a load off my mind, she said. I had not slept for days. The director of the gain-of-function research in Wuhan couldn't sleep because she was terrified that it might be in her lab. Dr. Barrick, an advocate of gain-of-function research, admits the main problem that the Institute of Virology has is the outbreak occurred in close proximity. What are the odds? Barrick responded, could you rule out a laboratory escape? The answer in this case is probably not. Will you, in front of this group, categorically say that the COVID-19 could not have occurred through serial passage in a laboratory? I do not have any accounting of what the Chinese may have done, and I'm fully in favor of any further investigation of what went on in China. However, I will repeat again, the NIH and NIAID categorically has not funded gain-of-function research to be conducted in the Wuhan 
Institute of Virology. We do support it in the U.S. We have 11 labs doing it, and you have allowed it here. We have a committee to do it, but the committee has granted every exemption. You're you're fooling with Mother Nature here. You're allowing super viruses to be created with a 15% mortality. It's very dangerous. I think it was a huge mistake to share this with China, and it's a huge mistake to allow this to continue in the United States. And we should be very careful to investigate where this virus came from. I fully agree that you should investigate where the virus came from. But again, we have not funded gain-of-function research on this virus in the Wuhan Institute of Virology, you're, no matter how parsing many times words, you're parsing you say words. it, there it was didn't research. Happen. There was research done with Dr. Xi and Dr. Barrick. They have collaborated on gain-of-function research where they enhanced the SARS virus to infect human airway cells, and they did it by merging a new spike protein on it. That is gain-of-function. That was joint research between the Wuhan Institute and Dr. Barrick, you can't deny it. Senator Paul, your time, time has expired. Dr. Fauci, I will let you respond to that. We'll, we need to move on. Excuse me? You're, I will allow you to respond to that, and then we'll move on. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to say, we, I, I don't know how many times I can say it, Madam Chair. We did not fund gain-of-function research to be conducted in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Okay. So he didn't fund gain-of-function research directly, but there was money, a lot of it, given to this EcoHealth Alliance organization. They did give that money, a lot of it, to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, where they were conducting gain-of-function research. So there is a connection there. Now, it could be said that that money that EcoHealth Alliance gave to the Wuhan Institute of Virology was not intended to conduct gain-of-function research, and absolutely, as I said in my last podcast, you definitely can count on the fact that if China wants to spend money on developing wild viruses for whatever purposes, who knows, then they can do that. They can fund those ambitions, no problem. However, why would it be that our own virologists who are probably conducting gain-of-function research in one of these several labs across the United States, why would it be that they are sharing secrets with Chinese CCP-controlled scientists? That seems to be quite a damning link. So even if you were to say, well, we can't guarantee that the money was intended for this, that, or the other thing, Certainly, the virologists in the United States were sharing this information and inviting Chinese scientists as guests. Now, if you know anything about how China operates, I guarantee you every single person in every single virology lab is a CCP loyalist. And what that means is they can't be trusted, sadly. Can American virologists be trusted? Well, evidently no, but I think they're a little bit more naive. I don't think that there are any naive scientists working in virology labs in China. I think if they had a gun to their head, which is a very significant possibility, then they would obviously side with the CCP. They would sell out their American counterparts in a blink of an eye. They wouldn't even think about it. So here in North America, in the States, and as we'll learn in Canada as well, they're sharing secrets, they're sharing viruses naively with Chinese authorities. What, do they have yellow fever? Do they want to make some friends? How stupid could you be? 
if you just observe China on the surface, it's clear to me, and it should be clear to everyone, that they can't be trusted. And again, that's the CCP, that's the affiliated people working in these government operations. That is not Chinese people in general. Again, my wife is Chinese, my son, I guess, is Chinese, or half and half, whatever you want to call it. We don't think in those terms in this family, and we don't look at Chinese people and think, well, is this a CCP activist? We don't do that, but we do know that there are people who are operating for the CCP, and they have the CCP's interests at heart. It doesn't mean they want to kill all people who aren't Chinese or aren't pro-China, whatever, but it means that they have a job to do. And of course, we shouldn't be sharing secrets with them naively because we can't guarantee what they'll do with them. And I'll admit there's a lot of layers here because look, on the world stage, America does a lot of wily things and causes a lot of people to die. In fact, if we were to add up all the coronavirus deaths as a result of this perhaps lab leak, well, it wouldn't even come close to the amount of innocent people who died and American hands. So that's a little bit of perspective. So there's overlapping features here and there's all sorts of things to consider. But at the end of the day, we have a connection between these NIH-funded associations and the Wuhan Institute of Virology and Fauci is denying it. And it seems a little suspicious given the unfurling of events in the last year and a half. If the only weird thing in this whole circumstance was that the NIH funded a lab in Wuhan where the virus originated from, well then I guess that would be somewhat reasonable. But sadly that ain't the only thing. Because what happened shortly after this Rand Paul grill session against Fauci was Fauci's emails were made available through a Freedom of Information Act. And a lot of it was redacted, which is, for me, a huge question mark. But we still were given some pretty big insights into what is on this guy's plate, what he knows, what he doesn't know, and what he pretends to know. And there's a great report from a journalist, I guess, called Laura Ingram, much maligned by the Democratic establishment and the left-leaning individuals on Twitter, etc. Um, I don't know much about what she stands for personally, but I do know this report is quite on the nose, and it seems to me that she doesn't really have an agenda here except for one against Anthony Fauci, which I share. I'm not a right-leaning person. I know that she is. I think I'm right down the middle, which is especially true because the left has gone so far to the left that I can no longer align myself with them. But anyways, she says some great stuff. The clips are to the point. So let's take a drink and just get ourselves in front of the information so that we can think about it properly. Take a drink. The mutations that it took to get to the point where it is now is totally consistent with a jump of a species from an animal to a human. It's very, very strongly leaning towards this could not have been artificially or deliberately manipulated. There's every reason to believe that that jumping of species from an animal reservoir occurred. Are you still confident that it developed naturally? I'm not convinced uh, about that. I think that we should continue to investigate what went on in China. Well, that was just Fauci's latest flip-flop. He's now realized how idiotic it was of him to believe China on anything. 
Of course, Fauci denies he's changed positions at all, telling CBS his opinion about the origins of COVID-19 have not changed. He believes that it is highly likely that it first occurred naturally before spreading from animal to human. Since no one is 100% sure, he's open to a thorough investigation. Thorough? Now, does, does that mean Fauci is going to finally explain NIH's role on the gain-of-function experiments being carried out at the Wuhan Institute of Virology? I'm not holding my breath. And what was the White House's response to Fauci's sudden reversal? And we have repeatedly called for the WHO to, to support an expert-driven evaluation of the pandemic's origins that is free from interference or politicization. During that first phase of the investigation, there was not access to data, there was not information provided. Uh, and now we're hopeful that uh, WHO can move into a more transparent, independent phase two investigation. Now, we'll move into a transparent and uh, independent phase like 10 years after the first person died of COVID. So the Biden administration now shamefully passing the buck to the WHO, which already failed to get the truth from China. We already pointed that out so long ago. Here with me now is Congressman, Wisconsin Congressman Mike Gallagher. Congressman, uh, this is so infuriating on so many levels. Um, you might not have seen the clip we played earlier of uh, my interview with Anthony Fauci in February of 2020, where I pursued this line of questioning. And his answer was, uh, that he knows these scientists and he's he's fairly has a lot of faith in their you know the answers and they've provided and so forth but now it's like oh no i never changed my mind <laughs> what well it's crazy and a month prior to your interview uh fauci was out there saying we don't need to worry the chinese communist party has it under control and we will not see human to human transmission and a week later, we saw our first case of human-to-human -human transmission in America. Then, of course, Fauci has admitted to lying to us about the masks. And now, a week and a half ago, he was in front of the Senate. And when questioned by Senator Rand Paul, uh, I believe he either uh, straight out lied or is hiding behind a highly legalistic interpretation of gain-of-function research. In either case, he's not being fully forthcoming. We know for a fact that Fauci's organization, NIAID, funneled money, U.S. taxpayer money, to the EcoHealth Alliance run by Dr. Peter Daszak. Dr. Peter Daszak has built his entire career and reputation on doing research, including gain-of-function research with the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And Daszak is the only American that was allowed on the WHO investigative team. The one person in the world who has the biggest conflict of interest was the one person we allowed to investigate the Wuhan Institute of Virology. That's absolutely insane. And so for Saki to go out there and say, we have hope that the WHO is going to investigate this in a more transparent manner. Please. I'm sorry, but that is unacceptable. We cannot rely on the WHO, which has been corrupted by the Chinese Communist Party, to get to the bottom of this. We have to do an independent investigation. We need all the intel declassified. And the final thing I say is the intel community was corrupted by the exact same scientists that they were relying upon in April of 2020, the DNI went out there and said the intel community agrees with the scientific consensus that it was a natural emergence and not a lab leak. Well, and I guarantee you, Lord. Yeah, Congressman, yes. I got to ask you, what do we get for all this money that we give to the intel communities? I, we're funding a woke military right now that's doing critical race theory and all the cartoon recruitment ads and pushing all their social justice issues. So we're doing that, funding that. Now we're funding funding this I mean, we're spending trillions of dollars over over decades on this intel community, and now they're 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 taking the benefit, uh, giving the benefit of the doubt to China. 
Well, I'll say this as a former human intelligence officer. Uh, I come from that world. This is the biggest intel failure since 9-11, and it needs to be investigated. And more to the point, we're giving our foremost adversary, the Chinese Communist Party, a gift. Look no further than Alaska, when their diplomats sit across from our diplomats and they lecture us about the dangers and evils of racism in America. They're co-opting the woke narrative. They're co-opting the critical race theory narrative that too many on the far left are using every single day. They're, they're turning us against ourselves and we're giving a gift to our foremost adversary and it absolutely has to stop. And if you reject that, then I think all Americans should just get behind the simple idea that we need to get to the bottom of this crazy virus and pandemic that has upended all of our lives for the last year, if for no other reason than we don't want it to happen again, and we don't want our taxpayer dollars to fund this type of research and this type of incompetence. Now, and why did the Obama administration at the tail end of, it, uh, of its time in office, why did they uh, push for the lifting of the moratorium on the gain-of-function research? That memo came down, I believe, in early January of 2017. Why was that done? It's all very, it's, it, all of this needs to be looked at. But, Congressman, you've been such a great voice on this. And keep digging, please. Uh, we just love having you on. Thank you. So we have Wisconsin Congressman Mike Gallagher and Laura Ingram. I don't know how you can dispute or comment against anything that they have said in that presentation, that very short and succinct and concise presentation about simply facts. The woke agenda has been co-opted by politics by the left and i have to wonder and now we've seen china is running with that woke narrative we've seen that they have created fake social accounts and by the way that's not just done by clandestine ccp operators that's also done by corporations existing within china for example huawei unleashed a social disinformation campaign fueled by fake accounts and fake experts impersonations basically across Europe to sway public opinion there. And that was written about in the New York Times in January 2021. And by the way, in June 2021, New York Times is then taking brand advertisements from Huawei. I can't make this up. In fact, listen to this advertisement that I heard on a podcast from the New York Times called Sway. Check this out. Take a drink. <sighs> this podcast is supported by Huawei Technologies USA. The COVID-19 pandemic has shown that connectivity is more important today than ever before. Whether you're learning online, working remotely, or just want to talk to family and friends, connectivity is a lifeline. As a global technology leader, Huawei connects over 3 billion people around the world. We are committed to helping communities stay connected and bridging the digital divide, especially in the rural areas that need it most. At Huawei, we believe we're better together. Yeah. So, you know, you might say money is money, but this is a company, Huawei, that is under investigation for violating several international business treaties for which this is how the world operates. And they're totally cavalier and going against them. Huawei is one of the biggest companies in China. They're absolutely under CCP control. This is not a conspiracy at all. This is just how it works in China. Every single company has a CCP division overseeing operations. And the bigger the company, the more infiltrated it is. And yet we have brand advertisements being taken out on popular New York Times podcasts. And if you know anything about brand advertising, the only purpose of those brand advertisements is to sway public opinion and build brand awareness and goodwill. That's the whole point of a brand advertisement. They said in there, we believe we're better together. Bullshit. 
yeah, we believe we're better together, and that's why we're waging disinformation campaigns, impersonating experts with social media accounts that are also fake. I mean, it's just nonsense. Give me a friggin' break. Folks, it just seems to me a little bit odd that in January 2021, we're reporting on a disinformation campaign waged across social media by Huawei, and then in the same publication, they're now accepting puffed-up brand advertisements in the prime spot of a podcast on the New York Times network. There absolutely is a clear attempt from either the CCP and or CCP ordained organizations trying to sway public opinion. One of their tools that they use is the woke agenda and they continue to do it. And I have to wonder, could it be that this hashtag stop Asian hate, which if you look at it is a couple of cherry picked events that are highly publicized, blown out of proportion. I have to wonder, is that a disinformation campaign as well? And it's awfully convenient, isn't it? Because you say, well, if you say anything about the lab leak, well, that must mean you're racist. And then a few months later, these Asian hate incidents start coming out, and suddenly you're double racist. If you say anything against Asian people at all, gosh, you're a racist, and by golly, certainly don't talk about that lab leak, you Trump supporter. Seems like a little bit of an interesting tool to shut down any discussion or narrative. And again, I don't hate Asian people. I have many Asian friends. As I've said so many times before, my wife is Chinese, but it just seems that any act committed against any Asian person is deemed a Asian hate crime, which to me, that's racist. Because why can't it just be two people acting against each other or getting into some sort of conflict? And why can't we assess the conflict for what it is? As far as I'm concerned, there is no movement of anti-Asian hate. There's no organization, there's no KKK equivalent against Asian people, as far as I can tell. Please present evidence to the contrary. I implore you. I want to know. If there's anything other than anecdotal reports of Asian hate, then I'd really like to know. Until I can see a clearly laid out and concise report that sets that story straight... Then I have to draw conclusions and wonder, could it be that there are CCP operatives spreading this narrative, building this hashtag, using fake accounts, creating fake stories, infiltrating the minds and the hearts of Asian American, quote unquote, in, um, influencers, etc. Certainly the CCP would benefit from a mumming of the word against Asian people because they are themselves Asian people, and until halfway through the year 2021, you would have been labeled again a racist for suggesting that the lab leak hypothesis was viable. And again, I'm not saying that it is 100% conclusive, but it certainly is leaning towards that being the case. And by the way, I just want to plant this seed. How is it less racist to suggest that these animals in these wet markets, and these unsanitary conditions, how is it less racist to suggest that? That these people are eating a bunch of disparate animals, curating them in this blood-stained wet market, and that's how the virus came to be. That's less racist than suggesting a lab leak? Well, I just don't buy it for a second. Hey guys, it's me, Doni. Head to drinkyfromhumanskulls.com to join my mailing list. I'll send you my newest episodes and my hottest selfies. See you there.
Well, folks, I want to linger on this co-opting of this woke anti-Asian narrative to put people in the bucket of racists to therefore dispel any attempt at a conversation about what really happened with this COVID origin story. And I want to bring in um, a brilliant set of podcasters, Brett Weinstein and his his podcast co-host and life partner, Heather Haying. For those of you who don't know, Brett Weinstein was on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast as early as I believe it was April 2020, talking about his belief that this was a lab leak. This is where the virus came from, and it looks to have been a manipulated lab virus, um, not one that jumped from animals to humans, because there were quite a few things indicating that, as we discussed in the last podcast, where the Nicholas Wade article highlighted most of those anomalies. Well, Brett Weinstein and Heather Hang have been salient voices for quite a long time, and I don't listen to every single podcast, and I have to admit, sometimes they get into the weeds, and they... I think inadvertently render their show unlistenable at times, and that's just my opinion. I I don't want to put any shade on these two. They're doing wonderful work, but I want to highlight one thing that they talk about, and is this epithet that they have conjured that they call the buzzsaw. And how this works is if you suggest that vaccines for COVID are not great, then you are thrown into the anti-vaxxer buzzsaw. You are an idiot. If you suggest that um, the lab leak hypothesis is viable. Well, then you are thrown into the BAM conspiracy theorist buzzsaw, Trump supporter buzzsaw, and as they'll talk about, the racist buzzsaw. So let's take a drink of this. It's quite interesting. And my goal here is to show you that there are many confounding features of this narrative that are being curated and collected in the public consciousness to sway public opinion. It's not clear who is pulling the strings, but there are strings being pulled. Is it opportunists? Is it a well-constructed narrative? Is it propaganda 3.0? I don't know, but it seems to me that based on reflection and looking at the evidence, there's something going on here. So let's take a drink of this clip and see what they have to say. These are two scientists educated, very smart people, not like me, a complete idiot turd. So let's take a drink. Go ahead. I was just I was just going to summarize what you just said, just put it in slightly sure. different words um, so that people hear it as many times as possible. And then I know you're not done. But um, and I think there were three things, although you only formally did two. stand up against critical race theory at your college. The buzzsaw is you're a racist. Yeah. Right. Um, the case for ivermectin can't be taught can't be made without talking about uh, vaccine safety. And so you stand up and try to talk about ivermectin and almost always the buzzsaw is you're an anti-vaxxer. And then the third one that's implied in all of that is you stand up against, um, there can only be one possible explanation for the origin of COVID and hey, it might elite from a lab. The buzzsaw that you get pushed into is your conspiracy theorist. And actually there's a double buzzsaw in that case. You're racist. What? Because the lab happens to be in China? Are you kidding me? That's a stupid buzzsaw, but a buzzsaw it is. Yeah, I think Glenn Greenwald uh, scratching his head on Twitter this week was like, can somebody explain to me why it's racist to wonder if this came from a Chinese lab, but it's not racist to wonder if it came from a Chinese wet market? <laughs> It's, right? it, I mean, it's a totally. great point, right? Yeah. Fantastic. Well, we have Brett Weinstein, Heather Hang, and now Glenn Greenwald, three people highly respected in their respective fields 
who share the same opinions as me. Well, let me just give myself a nice pat on the old back. I guess I'm not a conspiracy theorist loony loon after all. It is shocking because this narrative control is such that people don't even want to hear anything other than what they think is the status quo. People in my own family refuse to associate with me because I refuse to take this vaccine, which I think is for good, well-informed reasons. I've done so much more research and due diligence than these members of my family have, and yet they think I'm an absolute crazy person for not wanting to take the vaccine. Consequently, I think that they're crazy people for wanting to take it, but from my position, I come from a standpoint of having done research. They come from a standpoint of having been propagandized, too. I'll give you another example from my own personal life. I sent a video to a, a good friend of mine, and it was a video where Again, Brett Weinstein, host of the Dark Horse podcast, was talking to the original creator of mRNA technology and a serial entrepreneur who had been funding research into COVID um, medications that were alternatives to the vaccine. And this was a very, very good discussion about everything up to this date, about COVID, what we know, what we don't know, treatment protocols, what we think the vaccines could be doing, what they've been shown to do in a negative sense and in a positive sense, a very unbiased discussion about where we are right now in this COVID pandemic, the treatments and the propaganda machine fueling a lot of these elements. And that podcast was taken down by YouTube. And thus, my friend, after watching it for 10 minutes, she decided to, instead of watching the whole thing and taking the information for what it's worth and actually thinking about that, she decided to go to Google and decided to look for disinformation against that podcast. And you know what she found? She found people talking about the fact that these guys must be profiting from ivermectin sales. And if you know even the first thing about how pharmaceuticals are profited from and sold in this world, ivermectin is a off-patent medication. It is produced by dozens and dozens of generic medicine producers. It is sold for a dollar per dose, and it's competing against on-patent medications like remdesivir, for example, that is sold for $3,000 per dose put that into perspective, that means you could take a dose of ivermectin for eight years before you would arrive at the same price cost as one daily dose of remdesivir. To just connect the dots quickly for you there, remdesivir is a officially recommended medication while ivermectin is not. And this is something we'll cover in a dedicated episode, but obviously the recommendation matters here if you follow the money and it also matters if you follow the science which proves that ivermectin is highly much more effective than remdesivir. So that's the official narrative, which has apparently been co-opted, and it has plagued the mind of a friend of mine who I thought was quite smart and you know still is quite smart, but just is not even aware that she's being propagandized towards. And this is one of the shameful things that's resulting from this pandemic. Not only are people getting sick and dying and having their lives turned upside down, but people are losing friendships, connections, and losing their minds to this nonsense. My whole point in raising this story is to say that it is not the science that is fueling 
the status quo narrative. It is propaganda. It is nefarious elements and they are profiting and you have to follow the money and you have to do a little bit of research because these small people, these whistleblowers, obviously they don't have the same power throughput as, for example, a multi-billion dollar pharmaceutical company with a huge marketing department, a huge PR department. They've been doing this for years. They've infiltrated the FDA. They've infiltrated the CDC. They've infiltrated political parties. They've funded, they've shaped narratives. Hello, we're talking about individuals with nothing to gain versus pharmaceutical companies with billions of dollars in profits we made. I mean, how could you be so naive? I'm so frustrated that people are so manipulatable. This is one of the biggest takeaways for me, is that people are so easily swayed by nonsense. This is a huge problem, and we need to wake up. If you're hearing this, you need to please, I'm begging you, spread this information. You have to try to, as they say, red pill people. Wake them up to the reality it may cost you some friendships, but a few friendships versus we lose control of everyone's life. What's worse? <coughs> well, folks, I want to bring it back to Rand Paul speaking again with Laura Ingram, who I'm coming to like quite a lot. Not only is she hot AF for an almost 60-year-old, but she just hits it right on the nose, straight to the point. And I don't even have to know or understand her politics to just know that she's sitting within the facts, at least on this issue. And again, I think that's one of the things that plagues this world is this politicization of everything. People are now more and more incapable of independent thought, critical thinking, because they are falling into tribalist camps. Remember, this is one of the key points of this podcast is that thought and information and knowledge is becoming tainted. Google searches are being censored. Information is being censored on YouTube. We'll get into that more later. But all of this is amounting to an infantilization of the public and a forcing of people into political camps, which may render them incapable of independent thought. I think that What's really damages the narrative overall. I think that if you are on the left, you're a person who probably just reflexively ignores everything on the right, including Laura Ingram, including Fox News. You're not able to look at all sources and decide for yourself what is real and what should be ignored, which is what you should be doing. You shouldn't be paying homage to one particular station or collection of stations and completely ignoring other stations. You should be looking at all the information, interpreting everything, looking for patterns and drawing your own conclusions based on a growing amount of information that you have inside your mind. So anyways, that's just a little side note. Let's get to Laura Ingram interviewing courageous Senator Rand Paul about his involvement in his anti-Fauci rhetoric and his revelations, knowing that these emails have proven him right. So take a drink, please. All right, joining us now is one of the few who questioned Dr. Fauci's expertise and motives. As early as we did, Kentucky Senator Rand Paul. Senator, you are now calling for the firing of Anthony Fauci. Uh, what can you do in the Senate to get more answers than the ones that we have from these emails, which are still redacted? You know, I think we've had a sea change of opinion. Everybody 
left of center was saying this was a conspiracy. No way could it have happened in the Wuhan lab. Now even Dr. Fauci is saying that we should investigate it. But the emails paint a disturbing picture, a disturbing picture of Dr. Fauci from the very beginning worrying that he had been funding gain-of-function research. And he knows it to this day but hasn't admitted. We have to get uh, Democrat counterparts that will actually use the committee hearings to investigate this. But so far, it's been such a partisan support for Dr. Fauci that he can do no wrong. But really, there's a lot of evidence that he has a great deal of conflict of interest and that if it turns out this virus came from the Wuhan lab, which it looks like it did, that there's a great deal of culpability in that he was a big supporter of the funding. But he also was a big supporter to this day of saying we can trust the Chinese on this. We can trust the Chinese scientists. And I think that's quite naive and really should preclude him from the position that he's in. And re referencing the point you just made, Senator, the emails, they show that Fauci was scrambling in those uh, early days of the pandemic to find out the links between the NIH-funded gain-of-function uh, research and COVID. Now, here's how one of his NIH underlings responded to this email about a 2015 gain-of-function study that was co-authored by the Wuhan Institute of Virology's Bat Lady. And he said, the paper you sent me says the experiments were performed before the gain-of-function pause but have since been reviewed and approved by NIH. Not sure what this means since Emily is sure that no coronavirus work has gone through the P3 framework. <laughs> Explain that, Senator. Well, Why is that so well, significant? Here, here, here's, Laura, what makes it worse. Two weeks ago in committee hearing, he said they did not fund any gain-of-function <laughs> research. I quoted that specific paper. Right. So the very paper that he puts in the email, he says, oh my goodness, we need to read this paper because we looks like we are actually funding gain-of-function research, which is where we juice up these viruses, take them from animals, and infect them into humans. He's admitting that to his underling. He's worried about this in February of last year. But only two weeks ago, he tells me, oh, it wasn't gain-of-function research. But in his email, in well, the subject line, he says, gain of function research. He was admitting it to his private underlings seven, eight, nine months ago. I mean, could there be criminal culpability here, given, given the repeated uh, uh, failures of Dr. Fauci, who is basically in charge of our, much of our messaging on this and, and advice on this? Could there be criminal culpability the, here, a, a fraud or ongoing uh, collaboration with the Chinese when, when he was making excuses for them? At the very least, there's moral culpability. In the research done by the bat scientist in Wuhan, she gives him credit. She lists the exact NIH grant with a 10 numeral disclaimer or ID number listing the money and thanking the NIH for the money. It's clearly gain of function. There are several scientists who are in this field, cellular biologists. They all say that taking a SARS, back, a SARS virus and adding an S protein to it to make it infect human cells, that is the very definition of gain of function. It's very dangerous. We shouldn't be doing it here or there. But Dr. Fauci has denied it to this day, but the private emails show that he was acknowledging that it was gain of function. Nobody was questioning it. The scientific community needs to look at this because he hides behind this veil of the lab coat that nobody can question him. Yeah, and well. I believe, and by looking at the evidence, that it absolutely was gain of function research and, and he was funding it. And to this day, he's still saying he would do it again because yeah, he no, trusts no. the Chinese scientists. Yeah. <laughs>
Well, one of those emails obtained by BuzzFeed Senator was from Peter Doshok of the EcoHealth Alliance. So he was the one pushing this and doing this research. Uh, and that was funded by NIH uh, in Wuhan. So he wrote to Fauci on April 18, 2020, I just wanted to say a personal thank you for publicly standing up and stating that the scientific evidence supports a natural origin for COVID-19. Not a lab release from the Wuhan. The it's unbelievable. But here's the thing, Laura. Peter DeZank is not a disinterested party. He's not just looking for the truth. He was the funder of the research in Wuhan. So he has a self-interest in not revealing this because no, if it turns out the lab, the virus came from the lab, that, that's my point too. This is a big deal. So any investigation going forward, it can't include Peter, uh, Tony Fauci, can't include Peter DeZank because they were the ones who funded the lab. They have a conflict of interest with coming to the truth. Uh, we want to ask one more, more question, which is about the timing of the lift of the moratorium on this type of research, Senator. In, in January 9th of, of 2017, uh, the NIAD uh, released this uh, statement saying, we have gone through the reviews, basically we have all these recommendations as to why this type of research should be permitted. It was 11 days before Donald Trump is inaugurated. And it's, a, it's a, like a four or five page uh, memorandum. Don't you find that timing to be interesting? Absolutely. So the NIH realized that gain of function was dangerous. They banned it for three years. And then right before Donald Trump becomes president, they allow it again. They start granting exemptions, all approved by Dr. Fauci. The committee's secret. They won't let you know everybody on the committee, but you know Dr. Fauci knows who's on the committee and reviews this stuff. But then they also allowed some of the research in Wuhan not to go before the committee. And when they were asked, why was this not reviewed by this committee on safety? They said, well, it wasn't gain of function research. So they basically defined it out of the purview of the committee that was supposed to be assessing safety and preventing, you know, dangerous experiments from going on. So yeah, there's, there's something rotten in Denmark and somebody needs to get to the bottom of this, but it can't include Tony Fauci investigating himself. It's gotta be an independent bipartisan committee. Senator, uh, do you have any faith that a, a bipartisan commission, given the lies <laughs> that have been uh, have no. put out there, uh, 500,000 dead and, we can't and people are just looking the <laughs> other way? Yeah, we can't even get a hearing, but realize what they were studying in that lab they've admitted to was 15 times more deadly than the virus we're dealing with. COVID-19 has about a 1% mortality, and that's a lot of people, but SARS, the one from 2004, has a 15% mortality, and they were taking SARS and juicing it up and making it more infectious to human airway cells. That's a really scary thing to do, particularly for the Chinese communists, who I don't think are the most trustworthy of partners. Yeah, well, and, uh, and, and at least partly funded by the U.S. taxpayers. That is a scandal. Senator, yeah. thank you so much for joining us tonight. Well, folks, here's what I don't understand. If this is not true, if these are not facts, then why is it that Anthony Fauci and or affiliated individuals can't come out and simply present an alternative version of the facts. All that they do is say, it's ridiculous. It's insane to suggest this. Why don't they actually come with data and information as Senator Rand Paul has? And he has come armed with numerous pieces of information to which Felci has never provided a satisfying rebuttal. 
Fauci seems to always hide behind his credentials. He seems to always hide behind, well, you're ridiculous. And it's so interesting because that's what Republicans used to do. Republicans, if you remember, during the Bush era, were the ones who cast aspersions without information and Democrats would fire back with information. It seems to have flipped. And I can't quite explain it. It's so easy, if you actually have access to the information, for Fauci to come back and say, well, no, that's incorrect, and here's why. To actually, case by case, item by item, fact by fact, rebut what is being said about him and his involvement and the overall situation. There is no good reason why he can't give any rebuttal, period, the end. And that is enough to make any reasonable critical thinker have questions. It's not more complicated than that. Don't confuse yourself. And folks, don't confuse yourself on this either because other countries are involved, namely my home and sacred land, Canada. Let me read from CBC, June 14th, 2020. Newly released access to information documents reveal details about a shipment of deadly pathogens last year from Canada's National Microbiology Lab to China, confirming the first time who sent them, what exactly was shipped, and where it went. CBC News had already reported about the shipment of Ebola and Hanapa viruses, but there's now confirmation of one of the scientists escorted from the lab in Winnipeg amid an RCMP investigation last July was responsible for exporting the pathogens to the Wuhan Institute of Virology four months earlier. But the story continues June 21st, 2021. Headline from CBC News again. Speaker wants information on fired scientists released prepares to challenge Liberal government in court. The Liberal government is asking the court to prohibit disclosure of documents related to the firing of lab scientists. So if a cover-up of two fired scientists that are somehow linked to this thing, they've been sending stuff to the very Wuhan laboratory that is in question, and at the very least, we've got something developing here. And if that's the case, it would seem to me that the official narrative is not locked, signed, sealed and delivered. The lords of science say there are no questions, and yet there are many questions from many angles with many parties interested in keeping those questions a secret. So what are they trying to hide? Certainly these two scientists from China who are working in this lab in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, were unceremoniously fired and that happened in 2019. It's now 2021. There's no explanation. And the Liberal government of Canada, headed by Trudeau, has officially blocked the release of information to the Canadian public. The information's available. We don't have it all. So there is more that they're not telling us. And they've officially redacted it. Hey, guys. It's me, Doni, the host of Drinking from Human Skulls. The world is coming to an end, you don't have a job, and you're bleeding your parents dry. Pretty soon, everyone you know and love is going to die in nuclear war. That's why this is the perfect time to donate to Drinking From Human Skulls, a professional podcast. Just visit drinkingfromhumanskulls.com and click the donate button to get started. And if you can't afford to donate, 
click on anything that looks like an ad. Doing so will help me and your corporate overlords. Why let your money disintegrate in a mushroom cloud when you could support the Drinking From Human Skulls podcast? Now, let's get back to the show. Folks, at the very least, this is evidence of a cover-up. That's what this is. This is a cover-up of the lab leak theory stemming from virology community activities. They would have you believe that there's nothing to be seen here. But this, in fact, influences all the thinking around everything COVID-related, including the vaccine, which is now being made mandatory, de facto mandatory in several parts of the country, of Canada and other countries, France, America, New York, for example. Federal employees in America are being mandated to take the vaccine. And we're not going to belabor that issue, but the point is these are interconnected ideologies. And so the very same people who are suggesting that you should take this vaccine that has killed more people than all vaccines in the last 30 years combined have, those very same people are also denying their involvement in this cover-up. So to me, that means they cannot be trusted. To me, that means there's a lack of transparency. And when it comes to what I put into my body, I require transparency at minimum. I hope that makes sense. The people who are talking about this pandemic and are the foremost voices on this pandemic are also the people who have been lying about a lab leak cover-up, trying to cover the tracks of the virology community at large. So how can they be trusted when it comes to their medical advice? So look, the virology community is quiet on this, and I'm sure that if they work in these kinds of environments where they're doing, let's say, gain-of-function research, they must be legally and perhaps even patriotically bound to keep silent on this stuff. Who knows, maybe if you're working in a government-funded virology lab... Perhaps it is treason to speak out. Perhaps they're quasi-military environments. Who knows how they operate, truly. But we've seen Jon Stewart appear on the Stephen Colbert show about halfway through 2021, making light of the fact that, of course, this virus must have come from Wuhan. And I think it's probably the case that the negligence is from the actors in the Wuhan laboratory, and that the virus could have been developed in tandem with other labs, bits of it from here, bits of it from there, an international coalition to do gain-of-function research. Fauci can't conduct the research legally stateside, so he's going to ship a bit of it to Canada, they're going to ship a bit of it to China, and they're going to get what they want to do done and Nobody will be the wiser, except that the folks in the Wuhan laboratory might have made a little mistake, a little bit of a leak through the lab, and thus, the coronavirus pandemic is born. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I tend to subscribe to the theory that if you want history to not repeat itself, then you need to understand why things happened the way they did in the past. And so an investigation into the origins of the coronavirus and transparency around 
all the key players involved should be one of the most important things towards preventing a future pandemic. Now, I think that should go without saying, but there's this weird sort of groupthink going on, and I want to play a couple more clips before we wrap this episode. The first is a clip taken from a COVID-19 hearing around the end of June, led by Jim Jordan, which they invited Fauci, but he skipped it. Instead, we'll hear from Dr. Brett Girard. He is a former health official under the Trump administration. I don't think he is a Republican loyalist of any kind, but he talks about transparency, the lack of it, and the need for it. And I think he makes a lot of sense along with Jim Jordan, who, by the way, is often maligned figure in the media. I can't figure out why, because every time he opens his mouth, it seems to make sense. And I don't have a full understanding of everything this guy has said, but everything I've heard him say on coronavirus and all the mystery surrounding it seems to make sense. So let's take a drink of this and see what you think. Dr. Girard, why don't you think they're here? Why wouldn't they come? Dr. Fauci and Dr. Collins and Mr. Hassel. Um... You know, I don't know. I know Tony and I, I know Francis uh, pretty well. Um, I, I can't imagine a reason because this is a worldwide pandemic in which millions of people have died. Um, it may have been a result of a lab leak. There will be other, and we think highly likely it is, there will be other pandemics in the future. And if there's something we need, not just Congress, and I know you need it, but the American people in the world needs it, is truth and transparency, and openness and trust. And when public officials who are supposed to have our trust don't show up to members of Congress, I think that's a problem. He I'm, showed up everywhere for a year and a half. I mean, you couldn't go, you couldn't go a day. You couldn't go a day and not see Dr. Fauci somewhere. He was everywhere. I mean, he was like, He's like man of the millennial or whatever time de declared him. I mean, he was everywhere. And now, now when we have emails that he's sending out at 12 and two in the morning and we have this gain of function that didn't go through the process it's supposed to go through and we have all this, this evidence, suddenly you can't find him. Well, you know, all those redacted emails, they're redacted to you and to me, but they're not redacted to the people who are on it. So he could read it unredacted and refresh his memory and inform Congress. And look, sure um, when I was in the Trump administration, I got pinged by many antagonistic members on the House or the Senate side. 100% uh, of time, I answered questions. I came to everything because I felt it was my duty as a public servant. We appreciate that. To try to be open to everyone, and you know that. Yeah, this is I've not the first time you've times, testified. So you I would testified encourage many times. We appreciate my that. former colleagues uh, to be open and transparent and provide that type of honesty, transparency, and trust to the American people. If, okay, I, I want to go one, if, if the chairman will indulge, I want to do one more to Mr. Gerard, then I do want to come to you, Dr. Dr. Mueller. Uh, so, uh, Dr. Gerard, uh, Admiral, in your, um, in your testimony, written testimony in Perspective 4, you said this, investigation of the origins of COVID-19 and the regulation of gain-of-function research cannot be left to scientists alone, many of whom have serious conflicts of interest. I think that is obvious. I mean, I, that, that's, 
in the four emails I showed that took place in a 13-hour time span, I think that is clear just from those four emails, the, the, the conflicts of interest. But I wanted to give you a little chance to, to expound on that and expand on that um, if you could. So I just thought it needed to be said. Um, I have the highest respect for scientists and physicians and for people who have uh, developed so many things that are saving lives and curing disease. But scientists are like everybody else. They're people. They have conflicts of interest. And we should be very open about that, that uh, we sort of have a little quote that we can't hide behind our white coats of self-righteousness, that we have hundreds of thousands of dollars in salaries and millions of dollars at stake. And this needs to be, this in reputations, I think is very, very important among an anti, generally anti-Republican scientific community. So that's something you may not have considered before, but yeah, the scientific community, I guess, is growingly unsympathetic to Republicans. This whole thing has been politicized. We've seen it. And of course, they will use information as a smokescreen to get what they want, to hide what they want, and to vilify who they want. Now, of course, the Democrats are in power. Fauci seems to just do whatever he can to stay in the good graces of those who are in power. And I think you can see that over this last year, he's certainly entrenched himself in that more democratic way of operating, at least how they've been operating over the last, let's say, 10 years in this sort of woke mindset. Fauci seems to fit in quite well. And I want to remind people once again that I have no political skin in this game. First of all, I'm from Canada. Second of all, I just want the truth to come out. I want those responsible to be held accountable. And I want to prevent this kind of mishap from happening again in the future because it has uprooted so many lives. It has ruined so many lives. And a lot of people have died. And I think that didn't need to. Even despite what you think about the virus being deadly or not, people were not treated properly, and medicines have been politicized, treatments have been politicized, and the net result is people are dying, people are having their lives ruined, and all for what? For saving your face? Let's say Fauci and other people are involved in this. Let's say the Chinese government is responsible that the wuhan lab is responsible so what they want to save face they want to save money they don't want to be held accountable the amount of money that we've lost and have spent on recovering from this pandemic wouldn't that far exceed the amount of perhaps reparations that china would have to pay or that the u.s and china in tandem would have to pay were they to face this situation honestly and own up to their responsibility what if people were actually being treated with quote-unquote alternative treatments like ivermectin rather than this vaccine what would the death count be then what would the case count be then? Well, everyone, there's one more clip I want to play before we wrap this up. We're over an hour, which, you know, a lot of documentaries are around the same length of time as this podcast. And why I'm saying that is because there's even more information that I haven't included here. This story is very detailed. There is 
so much to recount, so much to investigate in this story, so many interconnected players and personalities that it just couldn't be covered in one episode. I may come back to this topic again. But I want to finish with a clip from the Wall Street Journal. They recently put out an article in August of 2021, along with a video summarizing their findings about the supposed, quote-unquote, lab leak theory. So let's take a drink of this. It's a very concise three-minute report, and I think it says a lot. Take a drink. China profits from crisis. China started the virus. China's propaganda machine is working overtime to move the focus of the origin of COVID-19 away from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The World Health Organization said that it was extremely unlikely for the virus to have leaked from a lab. But while the WHO may have said that initially, more recently, it's changed its tune. There was a premature push to reduce one of the uh, options, like the lab theory. Now, the WHO is calling for an audit of laboratories in Wuhan, and so far Beijing has refused. Instead, China is trying to put the onus on America, calling on the WHO to investigate U.S. military lab Fort Detrick, with a petition they claim has been signed by more than 13 million Chinese citizens. There isn't any legitimate reason to investigate Fort Detrick, Evidence suggests the pandemic likely began in Wuhan, not Maryland. This is the Chinese foreign ministry simply trying to set up a false equivalence to avoid scrutiny of the Wuhan labs. But before getting sidetracked by politics, it's important not to forget what brought us to this point. A previously undisclosed U.S. intelligence report released in January, which revealed that three workers from the Wuhan Institute of Virology became sick with COVID-like symptoms before the virus reached the public. What we have now is enough circumstantial evidence that the lab leak hypothesis is no longer a hypothesis. It is the default conclusion. January's fact sheet also noted that the group had been conducting gain-of-function research at the lab. There is some debate about what exactly constitutes gain-of-function research, but scientists at the Wuhan Institute of Virology have conducted experiments that many scientists would describe as gain-of-function research, such as enabling viruses to infect a new species. The question is what exactly else they have done. The U.S. knows about research conducted at the Wuhan Institute of Virology because American taxpayer dollars helped fund it through the National Institutes of Health, a process that Congress should thoroughly investigate. What we're alleging is the gain-of-function research was going on in that lab and NIH funded it. You are implying that what we did was responsible for the deaths of individual I totally resent that. And if anybody is lying here, Senator, it is you. Democrats and much of the media are avoiding the topic because it's Mr. Paul and the populist right that have taken up this cause. But it's precisely that kind of groupthink, that kind of politicization, that has prevented the lab leak theory from being treated seriously for more than a year. What does Speaker Pelosi have to hide? Why is Speaker Pelosi actively fighting to get the facts out, fighting against it? Making the same mistake twice is inexcusable and enables China to accuse the West of tactics it's employed under communism for decades. When a country repeatedly fosters conspiracies and distorts the reality, 
Can scientific community defend the truth against conspiracy theories? Well, folks, I think that about wraps it up for today. The question of who is orchestrating this conspiracy is still in my mind. There are many key players. There are many interconnected parties. There are many interests, financial and otherwise. The virology community, militaries, governments, and individuals are all wrapped up in this. And it seems to me that the truth is hard to hone in on. But we have a lot of good information here. A lot of, at least, questions. And... I suppose the main point that I want to hit home is that the very same people who are urging you to take a experimental vaccine at all costs are the very same people who are covering up the pandemic's origins. For me, that's enough to not take this vaccine. For me, that's enough to have tons of questions. Folks, if you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please do visit my website, www.drinkingfromhumanskulls.com. Share this podcast, please. Tell a friend. Post it on social media. Whatever you do, find me online. Ask me a question. Shoot me an email. Let's talk. If you've got information that you think I've missed, let me know. Share a comment on social media. Whatever you want to do, engage. But most importantly, share this around and ask questions because that's the only way forward. Don't be afraid. Don't think that you're just some idiot. You're not a scientist. That couldn't be farther from the truth. You're able to think. You've got a brain. Ask questions. You can do it. Please, I implore you to continue digging. Until next time, take a drink. <laughs>